0: This podcast episode is brought to you by Derm health Co, Australia's only skin health platform. With over 700 qualified practitioners, treatment providers and support groups, DermHealthCo exists to provide education, community and treatment options to support the health of skin following trauma, disease or injury. We serve the patient, the carer and the practitioner through unique solutions tailored to every single step of the skin health journey, from discovery and first diagnosis to treatment options, community support networks, through to providing a source of referrals for practitioners. Visit us at www.dermhealth.co. Whether you have a skin interest, a skin query, a skin trauma, or skin disease, I warmly welcome you to Heal Thy Skin, a podcast brought to you by DermHealth Co., I'm Marnie, Dermal Clinician, Demoscopist, and your podcast host. Skin is deeper than beauty, and our mission is to build the largest platform of specialized practitioners focused on skin health and skin empowerment. Join me each week where we go deep into the skin and beyond to hear stories and education from leading practitioners on a journey of skin health. Welcome to episode number 32 of the Heal Thy Skin podcast. I'm Marnie, your host, and today I am speaking with Amanda Keck, wife, musician, and mother of four, who was diagnosed with stage three melanoma just one month after the arrival of her fourth son. Amanda faced another hurdle just six months after her diagnosis with her medical team deciding to stop her treatment as unfortunately her body was not responding the way they would have liked. And with a lively home of four boys aged eight, five, three and nine months, Amanda continuously showed her family and loved ones just how much she can face every day with hospital visits, treatments, tests, the emotional turmoil of her diagnosis, and also becoming ill from the treatment itself, putting her in emergency multiple times. As a result, she sadly has had to spend precious time away from her husband and growing boys. And in this episode, Amanda shares how her journey with melanoma has led her to to discovering life's simple pleasures and the importance of finding a little joy each and every single day. I started by asking Amanda what she thought was the biggest misconception about melanoma.
1: Um, For me, it was that sun exposure causes melanoma and that it only affects elderly people.
0: Yeah, interesting. Both um, common misconceptions. I've heard that a lot as well. So it was at the end of 2018 when you were diagnosed with melanoma. How did you find out?
1: I had a mole grow on my back. Um, Mm -hmm. and I went down to my GP and he did a puncture biopsy. Um, and that came back positive with melanoma. So yeah, the GP sorted that one out
0: for me yeah and so what was so unique about this mole that you thought you needed to get it checked out because it was my understanding that you hadn't been getting or you hadn't had skin checks in the past is that right
1: no I had never had a skin check um to be honest I thought skin cancer was something you just get cut out and you move on with life Mm -hmm. so I was uh very naive um Sorry, what was the question?
0: <laughs> so, in regards to uh, how the actual mole looked, like, why did you decide to have this mole looked at?
1: Um, it, I had an. It was a pre-existing mole um, that was flat on my back, mm. and um, I went to undo my bra one day. It was right underneath my bra strap, and noticed that it was really like quite raised up, and it was quite itchy. Mm. Um, <clears throat> And so that I showed my husband and said, what on earth is that? Like it wasn't there before. And he's like, oh, that doesn't look good. So um, went straight down to the GP. Mm, okay.
0: Um, so the majority of melanoma is linked to UV exposure, as you may know, but this isn't true for you. So are you able to explain um, the type of melanoma that you were diagnosed with?
1: Um, so they haven't actually said a lot to me about it, but have said that it is a genetic thing. Um, Mm. And that's pretty much all I know. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And as far as genetic, not necessarily something that's been passed down from your family, um, more in your genes. Is that right? Because you haven't had family members that have been diagnosed with melanoma?
1: No, I am the very first one in my family that I know of
0: Yeah. So when you were diagnosed, you had it cut out and then treatment begun. So what did this initial treatment look like for you?
1: Yeah. So I had, um, after the puncture biopsy, I had a wide local incision. So they removed like a good part of my back. Um, and I had bilateral biopsy on my lymph nodes under my arms. Um, And I had about six weeks after that to heal from that. And then I started on fortnightly nivolumab treatments, which is a um, IV drip. Mm -hmm. Um, And yeah, just was doing that every fortnight.
0: Yeah. And also something that we didn't talk about is, was it 10 or 12 weeks prior to this, you'd just given birth to your... Uh, Fourth son.
1: Uh, Yeah. It was, yeah, about 13 weeks after that I found it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And it's, uh, you've been told that they may, they believe that perhaps these pregnancy hormones were a contributing factor to the rapid growth of the melanoma. Is that correct?
1: Yes. Didn't cause it, but caused it to grow. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So for those that may not know necessarily what immunotherapy treatment is, which is what you were having um, fortnightly, are you able to just give a basic description of your understanding of it?
1: So the way it was explained to me was that our, um, we have healthy cells and then everybody has um, cancer cells in their body and they cloak themselves so that our body doesn't recognise them. And basically immunotherapy trains our body to um, like decloak these cells so that we can recognise them for what they are and then they kill them.
0: Mm.
1: So that's sort of how they explained it to me.
0: <laughs> yeah. And it's a relatively new treatment. So how confident were they that it was going to work for you?
1: Honestly, I think with immunotherapy, it's such a guessing game Um they say to you, you might have these side effects, you might not. <laughs> it might work, it might not. And they just um, give it a go.
0: <laughs> yeah. And at times I understand that sometimes the side effects of this treatment was pretty difficult. Um, and there was a time when your specialist actually told you that there wasn't more that they could do and so they ceased treatment. Why was this?
1: Um So I, initially I was put on nivolumab and then um, when the growth continued, I was put on combination immunotherapy, which was ipilimumab and nivolumab. And while I was on that treatment, um, my tumours just grew rapidly. Um, And they, um, so it was explained to me that my um, tumours were no longer, so they couldn't remove them anymore. No one would do that surgery. Um, so they could—they had to stop my treatment, and they couldn't do any trials because I had reacted so poorly to the immunotherapy um, that that no no one doing trials would do them on
0: me. Mm. So you were at a loss, like. This treatment isn't working for me. They now can't actually remove the any melanomas or any tumours because they're either too large or too many. Um, and he, then you were interviewed on uh, Channel 7 News by Mike Armel. Um, It was a pretty alarming story to watch with you and your family and... The story, after I spoke to you about it, you said it was quite dramatised, yet they didn't necessarily spin the truth. What were your thoughts on the story and how they aired it?
1: I think, um yeah, they didn't say anything that was untrue. Um At that point in time, I had been told there's nothing more we can do, go home, spend time with your kids, um, and that's it. You'll, you'll be on panadol for pain and that's that's all we can do um I think it was difficult watching it um just because it made me feel like oh gosh I am gonna die like Mm. (laughs) um they kind of made it sound like oh well she's only got weeks (laughs) weeks to go so (laughs) um which that wasn't necessarily true so um yeah it was hard to watch that Mm. um definitely dramatized but it's tv right
0: (laughs) yeah did you have a lot of people reach out to you after that and be quite alarmed at the story as well and be asking what was going on
1: oh yeah lots of people were like what I didn't realize it was that bad Mm. (laughs)
0: um
1: yeah Uh, but I guess at the time it was pretty bad (laughs) yeah yeah
0: and how long was this after your initial diagnosis
1: Um, it would have been around six, six months afterwards. Yeah. Yeah. So pretty
0: soon afterwards. Yeah. So at that point you were still looking after a newborn. Um, Yeah. yeah. And three other boys, um, and husband and animals, uh, in times of ill health, people often want to help in some way and it's quite often that you'll hear people either say, what can I do for this person? Many people are unsure. Sometimes they don't do anything in fear of imposing. imposing rather. For people that are listening that may have a loved one that is going through some kind of illness or um, some kind of difficulty, Do you have perhaps a couple of ideas of things that really helped you and even some things that may have really um, not helped you? So some constructive criticism as well for those that are listening.
1: Um, I don't like asking people for help even if I really need it. Mm. So I think for me, if you just made me a meal and bought it over and I didn't have the opportunity to say no, Mm. um, and just, you don't necessarily need to hang around and chat. I think sometimes I just wanted to be by myself, Mm. but if someone bought over food and just said, here you go, um, made you a whatever, Mm. um, see you later. That would have been great. Or, if you know the person quite well and you can have that relationship where they can be there doing something and not having that, you don't feel like you need to engage with them, just come over and tidy the house or, um, something like that. Mm. Um, if you don't know the person too well, don't turn up at their house and start cleaning. (laughs) Um, (laughs) but, um, one thing this, I felt this was an interesting response for me. I, um, people or everyone wanted to take the kids away and I actually just wanted to have them around yeah Um, interesting and all that they'd say oh I'll take them to school and I'll do the school pick up but that was something that made me feel normal Mm. um like I could just keep going on with life like there was a time where I couldn't get out of bed so that was obviously helpful but um yeah everyone wanted to take the kids away from me thinking that they were some sort of burden but I just loved having them around. It made me feel normal. It made me feel um, like I was just living my life. Yeah. Yeah, so I don't know whether that's helpful but. No,
0: it's really interesting and I think that is something that people would think, oh, I'll give her a break from the kids. Um, Mm. But they are your pride and joy and, you know, they're not going to necessarily know what's happening with mum's health. Uh, They're still going to play up and they're still going to, uh, you know, love you and want to be all over you and jump all over you no matter how you're necessarily feeling. Uh, yeah. So yeah, I can imagine that that just having that love around but also that normality is really important.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah. So it was just the end of 2019 where you were told some pretty amazing news. What was that?
1: Um. So I went in for my normal appointment. Oh, it was uh, after a scan, um, and they he he usually just comes down and says, "Oh, come on, Amanda," and we walk down all depressed. Yeah. Um, but you know, he he had a bit of pep in his step this day, and he um, Amanda, come on, <laughs> and went in and um went into his office, and he was like, "All right." I've got some pretty good news. Let's have a look. And um, so it was described to me as a delayed response to the medication. And um, so my most recent scan showed um, a complete response. So there were no tumours on it whatsoever.
0: Nothing. Wow. How amazing. How what, – yeah. what did you do?
1: Um nothing <laughs> no um <laughs> oh when i found out the news okay yeah. um <laughs> oh i was pretty couldn't wipe the smile off my face it was yeah. very exciting
0: <laughs> yeah um and just backtracking from a little bit before that so they had stopped your treatment there was that new story that pretty much said that you're in palliative care um you know enjoy your last days and then what was kind of the progress between them finding a complete clear scan and that other time? Like what was happening between that? Did you have other treatments or were they continuing to monitor and do scans?
1: Yeah, I was completely stopped on all medications. Um, I did go to the naturopath and she was giving me some herbal things. Um, But On the hospital half, I was just having um, scans every eight weeks. Mm -hmm. So um, the scan, so I I was only off the meds for two months maybe. Um, So I had a scan at the start that showed that it was just growing and then toward the end of that, I had another scan that showed significant shrinkage. So he was like, oh, great, we'll put you straight back onto your... um,
0: Immunotherapy, yeah. Mm. And then it continued to have a a full response. Yeah, yep. Yeah, how amazing. So where are you at now? Like as far as uh, treatments and as far as uh, progress and just your sense of where you've been and where you are now?
1: Um, So I'm having monthly treatment for the next two years if it keeps going the way that it is Mm -hmm. um I think um everything sort of after I got the good news all the bad news finally sunk in um which was interesting I should have been really happy (laughs) (laughs) and I sort of went the other way and was like oh gosh what is going on um but I'm you know, starting to get back to my normal self. Mm.
0: Um, but, yeah. I think so, our, our minds and our bodies have this ability that when we're going through really difficult times, sometimes, and this might be a woman's thing, I, I don't know, me, men perhaps as well, but women, mothers, you know, you just get on with it.
1: Yeah. So yeah, I, definitely.
0: So I can imagine you didn't actually in that those moments, you – didn't have a lot of time to stop and actually think about what was happening in that present time until afterwards.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. That's definitely what my mind has done. Yeah. <laughs> just got definitely. me through Got me through what I needed to get through and <laughs> now that I can stop and breathe, I'm like, oh, gosh, what have I just been through?
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so looking back kind of on the beginning of your journey, what do you think like in terms of – like looking at your family and your wider community, looking at yourself, looking at the medical system, looking at the people that you've met, uh, you know, in those treatment rooms as well that you were sitting next to and having tr- treatments. Like what are some of those thoughts that you kind of think about this journey that you've been through now that it's the next chapter?
1: Yeah. Um, I definitely did not ever think that this is something that would happen to me <laughs> Um it's been a roller coaster of emotions and um all sorts of things and um there is uh, we we're, we're so lucky in Australia to have the medical system that we have mm. um, like uh I think three months before I started my immunotherapy, it would have cost me a hundred thousand dollars <laughs> and then um there was a certain amount of nivolumab that was um, released to the public um, for free while it was getting put on the Medicare system. So um, we're so lucky. If I was in America, I'd probably be dead. I wouldn't have been able to afford my treatment. So um, really amazing. And um, yeah, I've, there's, there's a lot of hopeless people um, out there that just don't they they don't see their future and it's really sad um meeting these people and in in the in the hospital um but it's uh, amazing that I can give them some hope um yeah. and have those conversations with them um that that there is something more that they that to life there's that that, that this doesn't have to be the end so um yeah and i just i think I've definitely developed a um a drama filter <laughs> i just I can't handle the petty things anymore um and yeah, I just think I've grown so much through the last year and just really learned to appreciate the things that I have
0: yeah, mm, yeah like the things that really matter, like yeah yep. your family, like your relationships yeah yeah um, yeah. and learning all these life lessons before thirty, which yeah. I mean some Just people got it in <laughs> yeah, some people don't learn these lessons at all, you know, yeah. and you know it's so unfortunate that sometimes it's a difficult time that you have to go through to like experience these lessons, but it's amazing that you've been able to look at those that as growth, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, is there anything that you do differently now than before your diagnosis, whether it be interacting with people, self-care, priorities, sun care, skin care, etc.?
1: Um, I definitely have been trying to wear sunscreen <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and making sure that other people do and realise how important that is. Um, and... Yeah, like I said before, I just appreciate what I have so much more Um, Mm. and, like, things like the kids um, wanting me to look at something when I'm busy, just going and looking at it because, you know, that means so much to them and I can, you know, the things that I'm doing can wait. Mm. Um, Just not having a temper and just really being, um, I can't think of the word. Present. Yeah, being present and and just being more cautious about who I let into my life and um, what I let into my life Mm. and making sure that it needs to be there.
0: Mm. Yeah, yeah, really important lessons. So what about, um, I'd love to hear maybe three pieces of advice for someone that is either experiencing melanoma um, or... Even once you've done that, perhaps three pieces of advice for someone that has a loved one that has just been uh, diagnosed with melanoma.
1: Yeah. Um, so I think major thing for me, the doctor doesn't have the final word. What they say can change. So um, don't hang on what they say. <laughs> They're very <laughs> very clever, but <laughs> and they. They've got it together, but, um, you know, things can change, Mm. um, stay positive and above all have faith.
0: Mm. Yeah.
1: And I think for, um, a loved one, um, just support them and don't take things to heart. If they say, um, if they say something that upsets you, it's probably not, they probably don't mean it. Um, so just, just love them through it and, yeah, just support mm. them and love them.
0: Yeah. Give a lot of love.
1: Yeah. And
0: and some food. Oh, yeah,
1: and yeah. cook for them.
0: Yeah, yeah. Way to everyone's heart. yeah (laughs) so while juggling treatments kids social commitments you somehow found the time to create soul queen cards tell us about this project
1: um so i was just finding that everywhere i looked there was negativity so on the news it's negative social media is negative at the hospital it was negative at home it was negative um And I just needed some positivity in my day. So um, I just had the idea of creating um, like a deck of cards that each day you pulled out one and um, it said something positive to encourage you in your day. Um, So, yeah, I just wanted to bring some positivity to the world.
0: Mm, Yeah, they are beautiful, gold-etched cards, or affirmation cards um, created by Amanda. They're beautiful. I'll actually put in the link in the show notes if anyone would like to have a look at them. Um, but I would just like to thank you so much, Amanda, for sharing your story with us. I'm sure it has um, touched people that have either Um, been going through this treatment or may know someone that is going through this experience as well. So I really appreciate your time.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Thank you. What a heartfelt interview. I mean, Amanda's positivity just shines through everything that she does. And the three deeper than skin insights that stood out to me were really in relation to her, her advice for those that may have a loved one going through melanoma treatment or some kind of um, health type treatment. So those were number one, simple things like cooking meal or helping with the groceries go such a long way. If you don't know what to do and don't feel that you have to make a social event out of out of it just simply helping dropping off and that is it because as Amanda explained sometimes after her treatment she couldn't even get out of bed so can you imagine someone that you know is quite social wants to usually is a very great host with uh, hosting lots of Guess over at her home. But when she's unwell or when someone's unwell, they might not be up to necessarily doing that. So there may be some guilt associated to them feeling like they have to converse and they have to, um, you know, be there and kind of entertain you. So even just dropping something off goes a long way. Number two, I found it really interesting as I'm not a mother myself, but I heard that many people offered to care for her kids. Uh, However, Her children are simply her life, and she wanted to spend as much time with them as possible, which I think also goes to point number three, and this is the guiding principle of normality. So when able, Amanda would try and do her normal daily activities like school drop-off and bath time, as these tasks really gave her a sense of normal. So anything that you can do that still retains this sense of normality uh, will really help someone just... Get along or get about on their daily activities in their daily day because there's only so much that someone can do when they're undergoing treatment, as far as they go to all their appointments, you know, they're taking their medication. But aside from that, they just have to get on with it and they just have to enjoy every minute that they have and enjoy uh, as much as possibly they can. Even if they might not necessarily have the energy to do so, I know it can be really difficult to know how to support a friend or loved one that is going through turmoil. And also know that many people aren't great at asking for help at the best of times. So this often doesn't change during treatment. Someone might really need a lot of help, whether it be around the house or simple tasks like bathing or house cleaning. Um, but they're not necessarily going to ask for it just because they're unwell. So if you've got any advice for some of our listeners on gifts, tasks, or services that you know of that can assist either an individual or family going through crisis or these types of times, then I would absolutely love for you to share it. This topic is Comes up frequently, and I think it would be really beneficial to have some kind of resources to guide people. So share them with me at info at dermhealthco, and we'll look at putting something together. Again, the Im- email address is info at dermhealth.co. One example of a gift set is a set of Soul Queen cards. And this is the set that Amanda was talking about. It's a beautifully designed affirmation card set. And Amanda created this as a way to add a little light to someone's day. She's also known to share them with her newfound friends in the oncology ward and has also set up a store on Etsy. The link is in the show notes if you'd like to have a look. Now, our other point is that on the 15th of March, 2020 is Melanoma March. This is a fundraising event that is raising much needed money for melanoma research. And we've organized a team in Melbourne um, with Amanda and Derm Health Co and we would love for you to join us. So you'll be able to march with Amanda, her family and the Derm Health Co. community around the picturesque Royal Botanical Gardens in Melbourne, followed by brunch at a local cafe. The link is in the show notes so you can register with us and help support a very important cause. Now, if you're not in Melbourne or you're not able to make it to the Melbourne March with us, you can still either donate and there's also marches happening all around the country. So have a look at that link and if you're not able to attend with us, then there may be one closer to you. Thank you so much for joining me for another episode of the Derm Health Co. podcast. I would love to know what your three deeper than skin insights were. So what I suggest you do is screenshot your phone while you're listening to the podcast and tag us in social media. Uh, More specifically, Instagram, we're all over the gram. So use our our at tag, which is dermhealth.co. I look forward to bringing you another episode of the Heal Thy Skin podcast. Until next week, stay skin powered. If you're enjoying the Heal Thy Skin podcast, and you know someone that may have a skin condition, skin interest, or experienced a skin trauma, then share the podcast with them. It may help them more than you realize.